Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the pod. It's good to be here. It's good to have something to work on and somewhere to put my energy. Uh, I think most of us, but definitely uh, as a creative, if I'm not expressing in some way or if I don't have somewhere to put this energy that's inside of me, I start to lose my mind. And this podcast is keeping me sane. And that's that's a lovely thing. Um, However, this podcast, because we're growing it and it's new and it's exciting and I love seeing your guys' comments and seeing your guys' interactions and seeing how our numbers are growing. Like, it's really fun. I love this thing and I want it to grow. So that aspect of it is so fun. But what that's doing is making me be on my phone a lot more, a lot more than is maybe healthy. Um, Even before the podcast, I think we are all going through this. This is a a new technology. Well, (laughs) it's old now, but new in terms of our biology. Um, It's new for our biology, for what we evolve to be in process and do, um, it's new for us to have access to everyone and everything and these platforms that are just constant streams of information and opinions and entertainment and cat memes and all this stuff. It's new for us to have that available to us all the time in our pocket. Um, and I'm sure, I'm guessing you're like me, where you've struggled with how much you're on your phone, how much you're engaging with social media, how much of your time the entire world, digital world is occupying in your life. And I think we all can recognize probably that we're on it too much. Um, Not that we need to not be on it at all, but that we're on it too much than we would like, and that it has some negative impacts in how we'd like to live our life or how we'd like to feel in our life or how we'd like to be engaged in our life. Um, It's definitely a thing for me. And and that's by design, by the way. Uh, If you've seen The Social Dilemma, that's a great documentary on this, but you can, we know this. These apps that have taken over our lives They were designed to take over our lives. Their mission is to have us on their apps as much as possible. That's how these apps were created. How do we get, it's it's an attention economy. How do we get their attention as much as possible? That's how we win. That's the apps, right? So they have studied what, our brains do. They have studied what we will have a hard time controlling uh, ourselves with. And they've designed these apps to hijack those parts of our brain so that we'll stay on them. And boy, are they successful. I try and think about a time, like I try and think about like my first Instagram post before TikTok, you know, early days of social media Twitter was out but like first Instagram post and I think about how innocent I think it was a photo of a flower with a filter on it and it was like oh look at me I'm a cell phone photographer now and I can see what my friends are taking photos of and uh just over the years it's become so much more than that I remember when Instagram stories came out I was like I don't want to watch these now I live on them <laughs> I I love watching them now. Um and I remember an innocent year ago. I just started TikTok a year ago. I had heard people talking about it, how much they were on it, and I was like, "Ah, not for me." And then I got on it, and now I'm on it, on it. There's so much good shit to look at. I learn things, I laugh at things, I'm inspired by things. I'm disgusted by things, but it's all so easy and it's right there on my phone. And yeah, so I struggle with this relationship with my phone, even though I love so many aspects of it and I want you (laughs) 
subscribing and following all my shit and enjoying my content. I want you to engage. I love seeing your comments. I love knowing you're engaging with what I'm doing. I love engaging with creators that I love. Like that's the dilemma is I love so many aspects of it, but there are aspects of it that can be unhealthy or just not optimal. Just, just not helping us be more present in our lives, be more connected, be more content, not content, content, right? Um, yeah, this is, this is the space that we all find ourselves in. So today on the pod, I thought it would be great to talk to my friend Tommy Sobel. Um, he founded a company called Brick that is centered around digital wellness and digital habits. He's the world's first digital habits coach. Um, he studied neuroscience and actually had published, uh, had some papers published um, in a PhD program in UCLA. Then he got into the film industry and he was, a, a, I think, an assistant to Steven Spielberg or, or just a high up junior executive in, in at DreamWorks, um, which is pretty amazing from where I'm sitting. You would think that would be fulfilling or exciting or whatever. Um, but he found himself um, addicted to his phone and not fulfilled in that space. And uh, years ago, he started Brick and has grown it into a community. And um, he's grown himself into a great coach for others on how to uh, optimize their life and their digital habits. Um, and he's a great friend of mine and I think has a lot to offer us in this conversation around our phones and our digital addictions. So we cover a lot of ground about all those things. And I, I hope you come away with this with some helpful uh, reminders or tips on how to just balance your relationship with your phone a little bit better. Um, enjoy the pod, share it, subscribe, and I'll see you in the comments. I am thrilled to say this episode is sponsored by Athletic Greens AG1. I have been wanting to try AG1 and make it a part of my daily health routine for years. A ton of my favorite podcasts are sponsored by it and now growing up is. So I take AG1 in the morning before I do anything. It's a glass of water and it's a scoop of AG1. And it just makes me feel and makes me know that I've taken a foundational step towards being healthier. When you start getting to know and start wanting to take care of yourself and learn what nutrition is in your body, the problem becomes very quickly, your medicine cabinet can fill up with like 40 different bottles of supplements because everyone is like, you got to take this mineral, this mineral, this vitamin, this prebiotic, this probiotic. What AG1 does is they simplify it. It's all right there. One scoop in the morning and you are foundationally taking care of your health and your body's nutrition needs for the day. It's got minerals, it's got vitamins, prebiotics, probiotics. Simplified, it tastes great. I, I cannot talk highly enough about AG1. And if you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D, which is essential, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash grow Devon. That's athleticgreens.com slash grow Devon, D-E-V-O-N, and check it out. Uh, Tommy, hi. Hi. Hey, man. Great to see you. Thanks Great for coming you. on. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, welcome to Growing Up with Devin. Uh, we have a wonderful audience and growing podcast, and it's this has been something I've really loved doing and I've been very excited about. However, growing a new brand is taking my social media addiction mm. to another level. Yeah. Because I need this thing to grow and it's exciting to watch it grow. So every post, all the profiles, I'm like refreshing all the time mm. to see how it grows because that's, I mean, that's the game right now. It's like part of the mission, right? Is I want this thing to get bigger. Absolutely. But it's taking that dopamine 
to another level. Mm-hmm. And uh, with my Ned's pod as well, like I am on my phone even more now because of this. So I thought it was a great time to bring you on uh, to kind of talk about digital wellness and our digital habits. Let's talk about it. I yeah. Mean, I, yeah. I, I love to talk about this all day, every day. So, like, I hope we have. Yeah. How much time do we have? Here? We have. We have an hour. Okay. So right. let's do this. Before we talk digital wellness, will you tell me what was your transition from adolescence to adulthood like? Hmm. I'll say that. I think that you know I grew up very sheltered. I grew up with you know super caring parents who. Uh, definitely wanted me to be a high achiever and wanted like the best for me. And so I, um, I think that I had a big awakening when I went to college, I was faced with like serious challenges, like really, I had my heart broken and I thought like it was all me, like I was a problem and and I was depressed by it. And, and, uh, school was like incredibly challenging and like, I didn't have a solid group of friends and, it, I, I internalized that, those failures, I made it all about me. Mm, um, you're not and, enough. Yeah, like not enough and, and um, not good enough, smart enough, strong yeah. enough, all of that, all yeah. the not enoughness. And so I, I feel like that was a marker of my adolescent phase, definitely, yep. of like having that kind of, I don't know, layer of self-judgment or self-reflection. And then yeah. as I'm kind of, Learn, discovering those things even just now in my mid thirties to, uh, to start to realize that when things challenge me, that, that just lets me like my challenges help me grow faster. Like the harder something is, yeah. the faster I grow and taking that more as an opportunity and another gift, as opposed to like something is wrong if something feels too hard or, or tough. Absolutely. I resonate with that deeply. I had a magical childhood. I had a lot go really well and school yeah. was always easy for me and friends came naturally and then I was on a TV show yeah. at 12 and it was my second pilot season. Like wow. all was just kind of life was just blossoming for so much of my life and when it's started to get challenging and really hit me with some shit. Yeah, that's when you find out more of who you are too. Mm -hmm. Because when you're not bumping up against anything, when you're not bumping up against the edges of life, yourself, your ideas about things, um, you don't actually know. Exactly. You don't actually know what you're made of. You don't actually know who you are. You haven't learned that thing of like, oh, this challenge hit me. And I really feel rocked by it and devastated. And you don't go through that process of, but how am I going to figure it out? And how am I going to show up to this situation now or show up to my life now and learn like, oh, you know what? I'm actually like pretty fucking resilient. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm pretty strong. Like you don't know that when everything's fine. Yeah. You don't really know how strong your heart is until it's been shattered, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> like, exactly. Those those moments are beautiful and necessary and um, they will come for us all. <laughs> <laughs> I really like what you said about finding your edge there. Like, I think that's a really great way to think about it. Like for those people who are lucky or unlucky enough to have like not had their edge or not had the hearts broken or, you know, at a certain yeah. age, when they then discover that edge it feels worse because they think that, you know, they internalize it. And so having that new perspective of actually choosing to be on your edge as a practice and being like, that is, that is growth. That's a really great shift. Yeah. It's like, Ooh, does this thing kind of scare me a little? Does this life experience not scare me in the true, like physical danger way, but Ooh, does it make me a little like little nervous a little scared in my capability like cool go do that exactly go do that thing yeah um yeah that's been a big part of uh my adulthood journey and i think most people's i'm sure and like you said like there's a luckiness to not hitting those edges early Mm. there's like an innocence to your childhood if if you were provided it if life blessed you with that you know some people hit those edges real early and that comes with different issues yeah when from a young age 
you've known that the world is challenging and like gonna throw chaos at you and you feel unsafe, right? Like that comes with a different level of challenges. But when you've been isolated from it for a very long time and then it hits you later in life, like, yeah, that is a learning process, mm -hmm. man. Mm -hmm. That is a serious learning process. Um, I'm glad you said rite of passage too uh, about your kind of college experience because that's a huge part of our maturing process. And in in certain cultures, there's like very clear rituals and rites of passage. Mm -hmm. Like there's very clear lines of here, this is you immature, this is you mature, and here's our ceremony around it, right? In our modern US culture, like there's not really like clear ones. They're out there, they're happening to us all the time, but you kind of just stumble upon mm -hmm. them at whatever point in your growth and wherever life meets you. College is one of them. Mm -hmm. I think college is for sure one of them. Um, do any other rites of passage come to mind for you? Definitely when I was in Boy Scouts, the going out and camping that we would do once a month, basically, Amazing. like is like now my favorite thing. And like right. the fact that I know how to start a fire and like have a bug out bag if you know shit hits the fan like i i think that um those are those are some of my favorite skill sets yeah and that's super helpful real life skills yeah exactly yeah and and that you know um the challenges of being with a bunch of boys of different personality types and like um backgrounds and family challenges that they bring to the table and yeah. nobody knows like what they are or who they are that that was um and they force you into different leadership roles as well, mm. like being a patrol leader um, and having people over at your house to actually like teach them some sort of merit badge type thing. So it is, it, that was really cool. That's awesome. That yeah. makes sense to me because that is a safe time to kind of learn these roles of leadership, these different skills of accomplishment, but you're learning it kind of in the safety of Boy Scouts, Eagle Scouts, childhood but those skills translate. They translate to real life. They translate to your adulthood. Like, so that's great practice. It was so much about leadership and about like cleaning up your side of the street, yeah. like taking care of yourself and then taking care of others, like yeah. service as it was a big part of that. Yeah. And like, you don't really get any of that stuff. You don't get the importance of it at the time, but you do it. So then when you see and feel the importance of it, when you're an adult, you yeah. like already know how to do it. And yeah, yeah I'm just so grateful for for that, all that makes sense to me. Um, I I didn't do a lot of camping when I was younger, but having any level of capacity to go out into nature and survive, even in a glamping sort of setting, it always hits me on a deep primal level and feels really good. Because like a lot of people have like good, you know, they can edit and make great content and they're funny and they can write and do all these things, but like take them out into the woods with a tent and they don't know what the fuck they're doing and they don't know how to help the people around them. And I, over the years, kind of, I think it probably started with Burning Man, but like mm. over the years, I've developed some capacity to like create and care for a fire. I mean, I can't start it with two sticks, but like mm. I can make a fire and tend to it pretty confidently. Like I can handle a, a bunch of my friends camping and like be really helpful and responsible in making it all happen and setting everything up and like taking care of the space. Mm -hmm. And that's some real world shit that feels really <laughs> good. Have you heard the phrase uh, touch grass? No. Okay. So, <laughs> so this is like an internet phrase. It's when people get a little too, like, Digital? I don't know, heady about oh. even social ideas. It's when someone just gets mm. too neurotic online. People go like, yo, touch grass. Got like, it. Like ground yourself. Ground yourself. Like, go touch yeah. grass. There's a real world outside. Got it. Um, and, and camping always feels like that for me. Is like, yeah, no, touch grass is real. Like, Go camp it. Yeah. Go spend a couple days. Touch stream. Touch stream. <laughs> touch stream. Touch, touch stream. mountain. Touch tree. Touch dirt. Um, for real, it's it's there's something like resets in me every time I go camping, and I'm like, I need to do this more. 
There's research on that too that shows that, I mean, especially when you're not on screen, like if you don't, there, there's a specific study where they took the brain scans, functional MRIs of people who walked around this this park, like with a lot of greenery uh, with their phone and without their phone. Mm. And so, you know, mostly when you're camping, you don't have service anyway. And so yeah. it's just kind of like natural. Maybe you're taking photos and stuff, but yeah. So the people who did that without screens and just like were present in nature, you see a huge shift in the different, in the activity of their brain. They actually reduce activity in the areas of the brain associated with like stress and like future thinking, like being in the mind yeah. basically. And a lot more of a sense of what you'd assume, you know, presence and just kind of like acceptance of, of the moment. Mm. But if you have a device on you or you're checking it, you actually don't make those shifts. Mm. So um, there's a lot of things that happen when we go into nature that are like, I don't know, ancillary effects. Like you might be going camping, not specifically because you're trying to do a digital detox, but you do in effect. And, right. and so uh, you see all these amazing benefits of it. Yeah. When I'm just sitting by a fire with no phone and it's just like the night sky and a fire and I'm just staring into the fire for an hour, life feels good. Yeah. I feel free, present. Yeah. It's so easy. Um, this is a perfect uh, time to talk about, I mean, I love how that got brought up, is you started a digital habits and digital wellness company, um, and I believe you're the first person <laughs> to do so. Um, that is how I met you. Um, uh, Tommy's company is called Brick, uh, Go Brick Now, right? Yeah, like on Instagram. On Instagram, it's Go yeah. Brick Now, but it's Brick, and... The reason it's called Brick is because uh, they host these events where everyone who shows up has to turn their phone into a brick, essentially. You turn it off, turn it on airplane mode, and put it in a VHS case, and everyone stacks those cases like in the front. So the entire event, you can't even get to your phone. And I got invited to sing at, at one of these events, and it was my first time being at one of these. As a singer, especially when I'm doing my acoustic stuff, um, I am hyper aware of the audience's mm. presence with me. Mm. I can feel when they are present with me and when they're not. And when they're not, I don't enjoy playing as much. Mm. It's like, I wanna have this experience where, especially the music I was singing at the time, it's like deep. And I want us to go through this process yeah. with this song and actually have an experience, actually experience a shift through this music. And I could always tell when an audience is present with me and, and not. And man, at an event where there is no cell phones in anyone's pocket, it was gorgeous, man. It was gorgeous. Just even beyond me playing the room, it felt different being somewhere where no one is on their phone. Because say you have a room full of 50 people and one person is looking down at their phone. That's felt in the yeah, space. It is. It might inspire me to look down at my phone and tune yeah. out. Or I'm aware of what they're looking at. Like it it's felt. And when you take that off the table, I love brick events for that. It really does change the space and change our human connection. And I really immediately that first time I was like, I love this mission. Uh I love what Tommy's about. And uh I want to come to more of these. <laughs> And I feel lucky that I got invited. Um, so will you tell me about how this all started? How did Brick begin? Yeah, for sure. I mean, first, I remember that night. That was so magical. Like, it was awesome. We had like, what was it, like five different Grammy-winning musicians all playing. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> yeah. we all wrote different like poems, poems and then like played it live with the music like that was crazy yeah it that was, was beautiful so cool. it was like a really like synergy we gotta do moment. that again yeah yeah music yeah. and flow has got to come back yeah definitely yeah uh and then yeah i think that one of the things that is that i think i'll tell you about my story a little bit more but i think the like magical x factor that i discovered through developing brick is that when you create a temporary phone free space everything shifts and and what we often can create in our own lives for people who practice digital minimalism or digital wellness or, or want to like get into flow state like they might individually make choices like that they right. might be like 
I'm going to get off my phone so I can be present in this dinner on this date or like pay attention to, um, you know, whatever my focus on work. But, but when you are, like you said, surrounded by others that are not doing that, the, the, it's a very, it doesn't work as well as if everybody has agreed to a certain condition and that is kind of like the baseline, like the background for what this community is about is just so, so special every time. And, you know, I'm surprised more people aren't doing it, honestly, but yeah. that is kind of like the X factor, yep. like that special sauce. Yep. Everyone agreeing. Yeah. We're not on our phones here. Exactly. Whatever's happening, I'm either, even if you want to be bored in the space, be bored in the space, Yeah. like be bored with us, you yeah. know, but they're never boring. Because that's what happens. You're like, oh, I'm not on my phone. Maybe I should talk to this person. Oh, shit, they're cool. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'm going to find out things. Exactly. Yeah. And like, that's one of the things that I think we've been learning. And that w- when we enjoy anything, whether it's cooking or like, I like going to the beach or reading, like no matter what that thing is, it's not that activity that we love. It's the presence that we bring to it. Mm. And so when we have this practice of like multitasking of like maybe watching our favorite movie or like being with our favorite person, you know, over dinner or whatever, but having that phone there, even if you don't check it, most people do check it. But even if you don't, there is that kind of low level, there's a tab open of like, I wonder if that person responded to me or like, Mm -hmm. I wonder how many new comments I got on my last post. And Mm -hmm. so like, you're not fully there and present. And That is a cost, but also you just don't enjoy what you're doing more. As and much, so, yeah. Yeah. So it's – it um, also you remember the experience less, like you feel less connected to those people. Yeah. And so there's there are a lot of negative consequences, but just the fact that like you enjoy what you're doing more yeah. because you, you're fully present in it. Yeah, I would say not just the presence you bring to it, the presence it brings to you when you're not on your phone. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like the beach brings presence to me. It's yeah. like sitting with someone I love, not being distracted by my fr- phone. Like, oh yeah, I remember what being present is, yeah. you know? Yeah. There's um, there's this uh, course that I'm actually in right now that I, I want to bring up just because what they've done is um, they did this thing called factor analysis that I, I'd never heard of before, but it's basically like taking all these different data points and boiling it all down into like the fundamentals. Okay. So like, for example, there's like millions of colors out there, but if you were to do factor analysis on color, there's really only three colors. It's like the primary colors, Got right? It. And so based on those three primary colors, you can make you know, mauve and, you know, all these other, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. millennial pink or yeah. whatever. RGB. Exactly. You exactly. Them in ways and, yeah. Exactly. So, so that's factor analysis with color, but you can do that when it comes to like mindfulness and mm. presence too. And, you know, I have spent most of my life trying all these different kind of healing modalities, like trying different meditation and breath work and ayahuasca yeah. and, you know, talk therapy and hypnotherapy and all this stuff. Um, but those are all, it gets overwhelming, honestly, because you're like, okay, I have all these different tools, but like, which tool am I going to use when and how, and it can be kind of like, you can get into this self-development trap where it's like, oh, I need to learn the next thing. Oh, I haven't heard of like somatic therapy. Like, no, I got to do that before I'm healed. And so I I had a little bit of that. Mm. And what I'm loving about just to take it back to like the factor analysis, what these people have studied is that. Um, when you actually just take a few seconds to be fully present on something, it can be fully present on your breath. It can be fully present on an object. It can be fully present on like a tactile sensation, but just being fully present on something for like two minutes or less, that brings you back to your joy or like Mm. your calm, like if you're experiencing any negative emotion, like stress, frustration, and anything, distraction, just spending a few seconds getting present in your breath or a tactile sensation or something you're looking at, like into your body is, is that shift. And that's like really what everyone's trying to teach you when they tell you to meditate or, right. you know, some sort of mindfulness right. practice. Right. Get you present into here and now yeah. in your body, in exactly. your senses. Yeah. So I, I just love that 
that that's, concept. That's amazing. I love that. Um, I had Allison Stoner on this podcast a couple weeks ago, and she um, she has a company she's starting called Movement Genius, and really they're teaching people simple. I mean, that's almost a somatic tool, is what you're mm. talking about, and mm. that's kind of their mission is teaching people kind of these simple tools to get present and deregulate or regulate mm. your central nervous system yeah, uh, throughout exactly. the day. Like sure, meditation, sure, talk therapy, but how can we just get people in their bodies and to move stress through them and handle it better, yeah. right? That's so cool. To regulate. Yeah. yeah. I saw a little bit about that. Cool. I got to look into that. More. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the about Brick, where it all started was just that I was addicted to my phone. So yeah. I was on my phone probably for like 10 hours a day and- Oof. I was in the film industry and I was the junior executive at this film studio at, at DreamWorks Studios. And I was trying to figure out like, okay, what is Steven Spielberg going to do on like YouTube and Snapchat and, and um, Facebook? And so I just found myself on my phone like all day, yeah. you know, first thing in the morning to last thing at night and checking it in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, for no, no reason. And, um, I even crashed into a car because I didn't see it Damn. at the red light in front of me. Damn. Yeah. And so I, you know, if anyone was addicted to their phone, it was me. Okay. And, and we're all addicted to our phones because they were designed to addict us. We, we all are exactly They're They're addictive by design. We all have these, uh, challenges with it of yeah. compulsion and, and, you know, feeling the obligation to, to be on it as much as possible. But at the time, this was like 2015. I thought yeah. it was just me Yeah, yeah. because yeah. nobody was talking about this. Yeah. Digital wellness hadn't been coined yet. I no. don't think. And so I thought it was just like my embarrassing, like personal little problem. And, yeah. um, so once I, well, I, I also have this background in neuroscience and, and once I started applying just like super rudimentary habit change practices that I'd learned, which was basically like, okay, can I put my phone down for an hour a day to do something that I love? And mm. for me, it was reading. So like my favorite thing in the world to do is read. And I had had like my bookshelf of 150 books that I hadn't read a single one of yep. just like glaring down at me for like five years. Yep. And so, so when I decided <laughs> like, I'm just going to spend an hour at night to read over the course of that year, I ended up reading 27 books Dude. and I was like, Oh my God, I, first of all, loved the information and the, the kind of learnings I got from that. But most importantly, it was that sense of agency of being able to be like, okay, I can, I can put my phone down. I can have this sense of control. And that created this ripple effect where I was then sleeping better because I wasn't scrolling at night mm. and it wasn't disrupting my circadian rhythm. So then I was waking up earlier and more rested. And because I wasn't also then checking it in the morning, I had more time to actually make a breakfast and like, you know, maybe even go to the gym before work. And so, um, and it also started, was affecting my my social life where before I was just going on these endless first dates all the time and, and um, nothing was really going anywhere. I started to feel more confident when I was in social, social situations because I felt like if I did feel that vibration in my pocket that I like could say no to it. Whereas before I knew that I couldn't say no. Yeah. So that, that was what I call, I understand now is called a, a keystone habit where mm. you make one behavior change and it creates this cascade of other positive habits. Mm. And so, um, for me, that was turning my phone into a brick. That was where the idea came from and reading. And I just started sharing that with a bunch of people in my community, a lot of actors, a lot of people in film and, and music. And yep. they were all like, wow, I really, they resonated with the message too. Sure. And absolutely. And, sure. and I realized that everyone was kind of seeking this permission to spend a little bit of time off the grid, that everybody was feeling like they needed to be always on. Yeah. And so it just kind of blew up from there. Yeah. Like started putting together these events where we all got phone free together and, and started throwing these like retreats with like 55 people in Joshua Tree or Ojai. And, and yeah, now it's this community of like, you know, 6,000 people around the world. And, and, um, and over the course of these like five years, I would say, I changed my habits drastically. Like I now I'm on my phone for like an average of one hour a day. So I went from 10 hours Jeez. to one hour and one. went from, 
<laughs> yeah, it's called the One Hour Club. It's, uh, I'm not it's in a, it. It's <laughs> it's a uh, it's a very rarefied place. Yeah. It's like two people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, and honestly, I'm not always in it either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's one of the things I wanted to bring up from the intro um, that I'll share. But but yeah, so um, so I started being asked like, how did I change my habits and and um and started coaching people on it. So I became like, I think the first digital habits coach where I started helping like entrepreneurs and business owners and just kind of people, humble high achievers, I like to call it. Yeah. People who want to make the most out of their time and are dissatisfied right. with their relationship to screens and, and social media. And but, but then in a world where anyone who's an entrepreneur or creating content, it's like, we're in a world right now where it's intricately linked with the technology and using our phones. So I know that's the place we find ourselves stuck. So I'm yeah. sure there's many people who want this. It's like, I want to feel more present. I want to feel uh, more joy in my life. And I need to use my phone and technology often for a part of my life that I also need, yeah. which is it's my work. career. Yeah, absolutely. And that And that's, you know, there's a lot of people who need to use social media for work. Yep. There's like real estate agents, you know, social media exactly. managers, exactly. brands, you know, people who are have personal brands. And exactly. so, you know, it's even more important for them. It's even more essential for them to have a screen-free practice. Yeah. To have that balance. Yeah, to and, know how to turn it off. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other part of it that I think that has helped me and that a lot of people don't don't acknowledge is really what balance looks like like i think when we think about balance we imagine that like scale you know like that yep. balancing scale where there's like two things that weigh i don't know where my yep. arm should go where there's like you know i've got 10 rocks here and then it's a little bit heavier than this and so like to create balance in my life i got to add a little bit more weight here and then it, and then it's done so like there's this kind of assumption mm. almost that there's like a moment where things will be balanced and it stays and then it stays yeah but that's not how life works no, life isn't. is this it's dynamic constant. constantly moving thing yeah life is much more about daytime and then nighttime mm. you know spring summer fall yeah. winter you yes, know it's seasons. much more about seasons and cycles exactly it's about inhale it's about exhale mm. it's about wakefulness it's about sleep and so that so balance is actually honoring the rhythm and cycle that mm. life is movement mm. the only thing constant in life is change mm. so we don't want to have this false expectation that there's going to be a moment where everything's finally in balance and then we can stop right because and or beat ourselves up when when, it, when it's when not we're not getting it exactly there. Right, right right yeah that true balance is rebalancing right that balancing is actually a practice right and and so there is never a moment where it's done right that it's actually just honoring the cycle instead That's awesome yeah it's like oh i fell off the surfboard well gonna ride another wave <laughs> and balance on the wave you exactly know? oh lost my footing again you know what i mean like are you gonna stop forever no you're gonna do it again because exactly it's super fun and, you know, to because you mentioned seasons, I think that that's like a perfect example of this where like we have different seasons when it comes to our work and business too. So like sure. right now, you might be in what you could call like a spring season. Yes. Where you're planting all these seeds. Yes. You're introducing like lots of new content, bringing yes. people together. And then after that, once you have, and that requires probably a lot of time on your phone. Yeah. You know, you got to be planting lots of seeds. You're in, in yep. the fields, you know, like reaching, doing lots of outreach. Yep. But then after that, you get to have a summer. And yeah. the summer is when you actually brought all the people together. That's where you have the summer parties and, yeah. the, you know, the soirees or whatever on the yacht. And then, <laughs> and then. Yeah, my yacht. <laughs> but then there's fall and fall is like, is where you typically harvest. Yeah. So fall is where you take all the seeds that you planted and you've taken enough time for them to grow. That's where maybe you might then have the like millionth listen or, or something right. like that, like where the goals might be achieved from like the mission that you set out way back in spring. Right. And then after that, there's winter. And winter is that kind of like closing the door, going into the log cabin by yourself and actually, you know, 
turning off the world to think about what the next big year is going to look like. Yeah. And so like in terms of balancing and honoring balance, what I think a lot of creators like would benefit to, to realize is like honor those seasons. Like if you're in a spring or summer season right now and you need to be like posting tons of content, replying to tons of comments to like reach certain goals, like that's okay. Do it. Yeah. That's okay. And then know that there's going to be like a winter season. Yeah. Like for example, for me, I'm writing this book or I I was been in this process of writing this book. And so like, as I'm kind of conceptualizing that, figuring out the outline, like that's a winter season. Yeah. That's you closing in. That's where I deleted social media Yeah, for nine months. I wasn't on Instagram and I was just figuring out my frameworks and concepts. Yeah. I think it's important to note like the seasons that we're referencing here don't always line up with the seasons of the year. Like it's important to note this is like a metaphor and sometimes (laughs) they line up with the seasons of the year, but like Nah, sometimes, I mean, I've gone through a winter season that lasted, you know, like a couple years before. Like yes. sometimes yes. these seasons exactly. naturally in our lives hit in different capacities, yeah. you know, different lengths. Yeah. But it is rhythm. And you've got your like personal seasons, but then you also have like your, your each project might have its own seasons. Yes. Yeah. So multiple cycles. But that that is, I feel like what balance looks like. Yeah. It's actually honoring like, hey, I'm in a spring season right now. Yeah. And like, I can trust that the seeds that I'm planting, I'll be able to harvest in fall, you yep. know, in this theoretical fall season. Yep. And then there'll be like a winter where, where I'll be able to get in the one hour club. Yeah, I am. I, I am kind of accepting like, I got two podcasts now and, and I want them to grow. And they're, it's spring. They're, they are in their early stages. So being online is where it's at. That's yeah. where the world is for what I'm doing. So I'm just gonna do it, you know? And then I do hope and trust that I'll find my times throughout the year to shut it down and go into nature or just like not be on it so much and not be checking it so much because as fun as it is um, and as funny as it is sometimes, I mean, you started this before TikTok. TikTok is mm. like, they just made it so e- it's the easiest thing in the world. You just swipe up and get a new thing. I know that's it's too fun, much. funny, cool, smart. It's everything. It's yeah. genius. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Cuz it's so simple and pure at just like pleasing the mind yeah. for a moment. Yeah. For a sweet sweet moment. Mm-hmm. But it 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 comes with a cost. I can barely read anymore. I <laughs> I I do read. I love reading. Um, but it, it is so my my brain after like a page is like, where's my phone? Yeah, and I have to like pull it back onto the page and keep reading. Um, so yeah, it comes with a cost. Well, everything that we do is making it easier for us to do that same thing next time. Right. So right. by you persevering when you feel that distraction from your book, noticing that you feel distracted and then going back to the book, the next time you read, it'll, it will be a little bit easier. You're kind of like training this neural pathway for You're focus. You're talking about neuroplasticity, aren't exactly. you? Exactly, I am. This is a good thing, yes. <laughs> this is a good thing. It's how our bad habits get out of control, but it's also how you pull them back is neuroplasticity. It's that our, our, our habits create easier pathways in our brain to do that habit. Exactly. Um, yeah. Fascinating. And that's good to remember when I'm pulling my brain back to my page, like this is getting easier. It's basically like noticing the distraction, the desire to check TikTok when you're trying to read, noticing that, and then going back to the reading. That's some people think of that as like failure. Like, yeah. Oh, like, why am I distracted? I used to not have this problem. That That's not failure. That's actually you doing a rep. That's right. like, if you were in the gym, do like curling your bicep would yeah. be the thing that makes your muscle stronger. Yeah. And so by you bringing back your attention and focus what you know, what you might call self-command, like the self-command muscle, that is you strengthening that muscle for focus. Awesome. I love that. <clears throat> um, for audience members who feel like they're struggling with how much they're on their phone, can you give us, I mean, you mentioned your keystone habit that started it, um, but can you give us like three, three practices for digital wellness that you can start with, you know, to start 
your game of balancing? Yeah, I think that I have these 15 habits that I offer my clients and uh, I usually tease with like a few. Um, tease us, Tommy. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, the first one that I think is most contextual for this conversation so far is that um, when we think about habit change, we often think that it requires like grit and willpower and that it's like hard or that we need to like have the motivation. Yeah. There's an effortfulness to it. Yeah. And there is that aspect, but there's like a whole other side of habit change that I feel like people discount, which is just as powerful, which is environment design. Mm. So if you can actually design your environment to make it easy for you to do the habit you want Mm. and impossible for you to do the habit you don't, then you don't even need to make any decisions with willpower or, you know, it just because you've set it up. Yeah, exactly. You've set yourself up for success and Mm. you don't even require that muscle. And, you know, in my experience, the people who have the greatest willpower are the ones who need to wield it the least. Mm. So if you can actually create a lifestyle that just naturally supports the habits that you want and none of the ones that you don't, then um, you're, you're going to be super successful. And yeah. so, so in terms of environmental design, uh, when it comes to phone habits specifically, there's a few. I think the most important one is making your bedroom a phone-free zone. Mm. So if you can – and most people don't do this because they use their phone as an alarm clock. Exactly. But I've been Same. hawking this $10 alarm clock on Amazon for like four years. It's the one that I use. I mean, there's better ones probably yeah. that are like more expensive, but honestly, it's like $11. Yeah. And, um, and I, it allows me to use that as my alarm clock in the morning. And then I charge my phone in the other room. Mm. And so that allows me to know that even if I... I couldn't check my phone if I wanted to. Right when you wake up. Right when I wake up. And when you go to bed. And when I go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. And so the second habit, the second habit kind of ties to that, which is make the first and last hours of your day phone free. Mm. So once you have your bedroom as a phone free zone, it's really important to then kind of honor that choice by being like, okay, I'm going to make, I'm going to make the mornings for myself. Yep. Because you're setting um, a foundation for the energy that you're going to bring into the rest of your day. Mm. So if you wake up and, um, I'm actually releasing a video tomorrow. That's also about this, but if you wake up and you check your phone, you're immediately seeing like the bad news and your crypto just all disappeared. And, and you know, there's an earthquake and, and your mom's upset about something. And so like, suddenly you're like seeing all this cortisol, you're feeling all this cortisol and that puts you in a reactionary state that Mm. puts you in this kind of like fight flight state. And so then you take that reactionary state into everything that you do. And so you're more likely to then just reply to a bunch of emails or reply to a bunch of comments or DMs. And so then you're like doing this kind of lower level thinking as opposed to what I think most of us really want, which is like, okay, I'm going to figure out what my priorities are for the day. Like, what do I want to focus on? And maybe have like a morning practice that helps ground you or like to feel a sense of presence or gratitude. Like, could be as simple as, like this morning, uh, I've been recently enjoying just going outside and just like staring at the sun, like putting my face in the sun for like 30 seconds. And that like morning sunlight is good for your circadian rhythm too. So like just something like that or like making a tea or petting your cat or if you want to meditating and, you know, or journaling, like those types of morning rituals can do a really great job giving, making you feel spaciousness. Yeah. And then you can bring this sense of presence and spaciousness into everything that you do. So you can be more present in all of your conversations so that you can be more creative in your problem solving at work. And so that, that can be a really big shift. And, you know, it's not easy, uh, obviously, especially when you have this habit of basically using your phone to wake up. Yes. Which is what I do. It's yeah. like, I'm half conscious in my bed i'm not ready to get out of bed because i'm like barely functioning exactly so it's like and my phone's my alarm so then it's like i grab for the phone because it's a slow kind of starting to wake my brain up but i do notice the issue of 
okay, I just slept. I just, I just, you know, entered the void, the great abyss that I love so much. I, I love sleep. I'm obsessed. Um, I just like reset whatever noise I was in the day before, emotions, all that, right? Um, and now I'm a little groggy waking up, so I go to my phone to wake up. But now I'm with everyone and everything in the world. Yeah. I'm with every opinion on everything. I'm now forming opinions that I didn't even know I gave a shit about. Uh, I'm <laughs> reacting to things either scary or just useless, right? Yeah. Like I'm all of a sudden taking in all this information, even if it isn't um, consciously making me stressed. It's just a lot of information because the way social media is designed, it's just like, it's a feed. More. So you're you're yeah. just getting hundreds of lines of different information and opinions. And I have noticed, I haven't done anything to stop it, but I have noticed like, this isn't my favorite thing to do in the morning, even though it's my habit. Like I don't love immediately inundating my awareness with all this info. And now I have opinions about shit that I didn't even know I cared about first thing in the morning. Yeah. And when you're in that kind of like flowy, half dream, half wake state, yeah, you're you're highly suggestible. That. that. So, if you if you were to wait and check the news or all that, once you've kind of created a proper mm. foundation for mm. your day, then it might not cause that same reaction. Yeah. Um, but when you're highly suggestible, you're taking on that energy yeah. of all of that feed. Yeah, know? because our brain's like in a different brainwave state when we're waking up, right? Yeah. It's still like fluctuating. And I, I had read that, that before bed and when you wake up, it's actually the most powerful time for like affirmations yeah exactly. telling yourself what you want to believe about yourself even if you don't yet but that's the most powerful time to put it into your brain is an hour before bed or an hour after waking um or while you're waking because your subconscious for... mind is kind of more available to yeah you're in that in between yeah. and the subconscious mind is really hard to get to i think that's uh uh there are limits with our healing on an intellectual level. It's why I love talk therapy. I recommend therapy for fucking everybody at some point in your life, have a therapist and talk to them. It's so helpful. Um, but in, we can only access so much of our healing through our intellect because a lot of it is happening through patterns that are deep in our subconscious. They're hard to get at. It's why really powerful experiences can get at them. It's why mm -hmm. like, ayahuasca and crazy exactly. stuff can actually get down into those spaces that are hard to get at. It's why people have uh, life-changing experiences when they almost die, like mm -hmm. stuff like that. It's actually getting into the subconscious. So it's hard to get in there, but learning like before bed and when you wake up, it's more accessible in those moments and maybe taking a little more care of myself in those moments. It's, it's like kind of nice to have that, that invitation. Well, I like the way that you put that. Cause I think that that is a great way to think about it. Like the way that you treat yourself in the first hour of your day, like that, that could be treated with care. Like how would you care for, um, someone that's kind of in a vulnerable state? Yeah. Uh, a vulnerable mental state. Well, I am in a vulnerable state when I wake up. Like I have to wrestle. That's part of why I go for the phone too. I have to wrestle my demons in the morning, right? Like I wake up and that's when I am vulnerable. That's like, okay, what am I going to do with mm -hmm. my day? What am I doing with my life? Mm -hmm. Who am I? What is this? Am I an adult? Mm -hmm. Am I capable of continuing to pay rent? Mm. Do Can I pay my bills this month? Like all of that shows up in the morning because I don't know, that's when it's there. And maybe part of grabbing for the phone is quieting that part of my mind, even though it's creating so much other noise, you yeah. know? It's quieting the demons that I don't want to face. Because once I'm awake and I'm going, it's all good. But there is that moment where like every morning, <laughs> I feel like maybe not every, sometimes I wake up all good. But like, in, in that quiet of the morning uh, and that grogginess, I am vulnerable. And that's where 
I do have to kind of like wrangle my insecurities back mm. into maybe the progress I've been making or the mm. vision I have, you know, mm. like I have to wrestle my demons in the morning. Sometimes it, man, sometimes over the last few years, it takes me till like fucking two, 3 PM to be like, yeah. okay, yeah. I'm through all that bullshit. Now I can actually like focus on anything or call someone or do any of the things I need to do. Cause I'm not just wrestling myself. I don't think any of that's bullshit. I think all that's like really well spent time. Yeah, no, it's true. But, but yeah, I mean, I think that's amazing self-awareness of you that you realize that sometimes in the morning you have those thoughts. I mean, a lot of people don't even have an awareness of it and they just habitually go to their distractions. Yeah. And I think that that also, what we're learning is that, that, our phone habits are often, they're called maladaptive habits because in like this case, for example, and same with me, I would reach out to my phone to feel better because I wanted to feel better. So I was feeling unaccomplished. I was feeling overwhelmed. I was feeling like unmoored, like didn't know what I wanted to do with my time that day or my life. And so those are uncomfortable feelings. They're not necessarily like negative feelings because I'm sure that they're serving me in some way, but like they don't feel good. And so I'm trying to like feel better. So what can I do to feel better? I'm going to reach out to my phone. Now, the problem is when you do that, you then see all these other people who are accomplishing way more than you (laughs) and like way more successful with way more seemingly so joyful. Yeah. Just like figured it all out. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you're feeling like everyone has figured it out even more than you thought. And so now you, I feel even more behind and even more unmoored and like even less motivated to like actually create something with my life. And so we go to our phones to actually feel better, but it makes us feel worse. Yeah. And so that's why it's maladaptive. That's yeah. not actually good at solving the problem. Right. You're going to it to solve a problem and it's not solving it's not the solving problem. It. It's actually leaving makes you it worse. in stasis or worse. Or exactly. Usually, usually yeah. worse. Cause you, yeah, if I go to my phone, cause I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with my time right now. And I want to be like, I want to be doing something productive, but I don't know what to do. Oh, let me scroll on my phone for an hour. <laughs> like that doesn't do it. That doesn't solve it. Um, yeah. Last year, man, the thing is it, it also, this is like any addiction. This goes for fucking any type of addiction, but it kicks up when things are overwhelming, things are vulnerable, mm-hmm. when you're going through shit, the the reach for the instant hit of dopamine or instant gratification, that's the purpose it's serving. So it kicks up when shit's overwhelming, I've noticed in my life. So the pandemic two years was Mm. very um, gnarly. I was going through a lot uh, with everyone and a lot personally. And last year, um, I've talked about it on the pod a little bit. Last year, I, I put the pieces back together a bit did some work and asked the universe to help and like put myself back together and I feel more integrated and uh, more whole, but there were some habits left over. And I noticed mm. at the end of last year, like I, I like to think of the, the positive uh, to negative parts of my life. I, I like them to be in an 80, 20 ratio. I give myself mm. grace for useless behavior or destructive behavior or whatever. 20, if 20%, I'm imperfect, great. 80%, let me be doing good things for myself. That's around the ratio I like to keep it at. At the end of last year, man, I was noticing, I'm like, I feel like I'm in 80% instant gratification mode Mm. throughout the day and 20% long-term good. Mm. And I was aware of it, but was having a really hard time shifting it. Uh, We had talked about it a a bit last year. even though I was aware, I, it was still difficult to make the shift. And I, I noticed it's because it was serving me for so long. Hmm. That instant gratification was, and, and being in these instant modes of, of operating throughout my hmm. day was helping me um, get through the day without being overwhelmed by the, by the huge future issues I was looking at or the huge past I was judging. Like mm. it was helping me be at least here and now, even though the long-term benefits aren't great because it's instant gratification. I'm getting these small little moments of presence. 
Um, I have started to shift it this year and it's been great. Someone told me a quote that really helped me over the holidays that it was something along the lines of happiness is like uh, giving up the happiness is giving up the constant need to change my state. Mm -hmm. That really helped me get some space around this habit. I was realizing like, ah, I'm feeling uncomfortable or feeling bored or feeling this or feeling that. And so I'm going to these habits, my phone, coffee, weed, whatever it is, constantly throughout the day to change my state. It's why weed got out of hand for me because I'd like smoke a joint. And then when it came down, like time to change it again, like time Mm. to change my state again, Mm. I realized I was constantly riding kind of a surface level change of my state rather than sitting in my life, sitting in the discomfort, like leaning into this shit. And just that little desire to change it. And then that little quote helped me create some space around it. And this year, even though, yes, with the pods, I'm more on my phone. I am finding a lot of days where I'm catching myself in a need to change my state. And I'm Hmm. not. I'm going, oh, I don't need to change my state right now. Hmm. I can just be in my state. And like happiness, I think, is a, a result. It's not a happiness isn't actually a state of being it it like comes it comes through yeah exactly you can't like get at it directly you know what i mean it comes through other behaviors yeah Um, it's not something you do it's the result of of just accepting what is yeah yeah it's like having the lack of desire for something else and that the lack of desire to constantly change my state exactly phrasing it that way i was like oh that is so helpful that is what i'm doing grabbing for my my fourth cup of cold brew in the afternoon oh it's because i'm riding this state change until i go to sleep and also i think for me because i'm riding these same waves that i don't need to be perfect at it it's more just celebrating when i catch myself like oh i am in a negative state or am trying to change my negative state and just celebrating that I discovered that and knowing that the more often I do that, the more natural that will become. That's it. That's the ratio thing I'm talking about. Like 80, 20 is my ideal. I leave a lot of grace, even though, listen, my mom, she would not be down with me getting eighties on my report card. Okay. It was fucking A's, but in life I give myself more grace. 80, 20 is the ideal I'd like to be at. But play with those ratios, even if you can get to 51% of your life uh, doing habits that you believe are better for you and 49% you're not perfect. Like, cool. But just look at those. I I find looking at the ratios in my life just important. It's just a good, like, uh, marker because, of course, you're not going to be perfect at it. None of us are going to be perfect at anything. Because when we get frustrated that like, oh, like yesterday I didn't ha- I didn't try to change my state at all or the last three weeks I didn't, but then today I now find myself wanting to go back to that maladaptive habit. That can create frustration and self-judgment, which itself is just another aspect of that, right. of the judge. So actually just accepting that as yeah. well. Like, oh, here I am again. Yeah, Instead exactly. of spiraling down and beating exactly. yourself up and then going like, Oh, well, fuck it. I think people have this with like exercise or eating healthy. It's like you fall off a couple days and then you just find like, oh, well, fuck it. You know? Yeah. Like it's all or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to make it mean something. Yeah. Like mean that you, it's not working or mean that, you know, you did something wrong or you're not good at it. Like those are all lies. Yeah. Just try and put more good days together. Um, My, a couple, a couple summers ago, I found myself... At another really low point in my life, just really low mentally, man. I had, I, I, it was my self esteem was gone. It, I was just like at the end of this relationship that just like I gave everything to, and it all got swallowed in a black hole. And I was just mm. like, I just had nothing. I, I, my thoughts started like to not be good. It was just, it was mm. a rough time, mm. and I noticed it, and it was like, okay, 
this un- like enough. I need, I didn't call it a keystone habit, but I was like, I need to start putting the pieces back together. Hmm. I need to do something that is not in anyone else's hands or that's outside of me. So the two ha- habits I-, I committed to starting was working out and not with a gym, not with a personal trainer. I need to do it at home. Otherwise, the way I'm feeling, if there's just the gap of I need to get in the car and go to the gym, I'm gonna not do that too often. So I'm gonna do it at home and I'm gonna meditate. Uh, the working out, I, I set as an imperfect, even if I do it twice a week, that's cool. But let me aim for three to five times a week. Um, meditate, let me try and hit my twice a day meditation. If I hit it once a day, five days a week, great. I like mm. set these things. And those were, that was that thing. When you said Keystone Habit, I'm like, oh, I didn't call it that, but I felt it. I started doing that weekly. And then a couple months went by and I was consistent with this. And slowly, man, I started to come back to myself Mm. and start build better habits around my entire life and just feel my own self-esteem come Mm. back and my own like, oh, there I am. I Mm. can do this. I can do this life. It stopped being so overwhelming. So that's amazing. And I think one thing I just want to point out, like a gem in that for anyone that struggles with creating healthy habits or if they do have really high screen time or whatever, they, maybe they're struggling with depression or anxiety, any of these kind of negative emotions, that what you just said, it starts with a decision. Hmm. Like everything starts with you just deciding that enough is enough. Yeah, yes. You found yourself in that funk, rut, whatever you want to call yeah. it, which we all have. Yep. And that's going to last until you decide. Yep. Nothing changes until you decide it needs to change. Yep. That was the same thing with me, with my phone addiction. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to change this, but something's got to stop. Like I am deciding. Yeah. You'll go through a process of noticing it for a while, but still being on that slide down. And at a certain point, man, you just got to hit something inside yourself where you go and you don't have to force that. Sometimes you have to go on that slide down. Sometimes you have to go through that depressive cycle. Um, but at a certain point, man, you got to hit something within yourself where you just go, nah, yeah, like this isn't working. Yeah. I'm still going in the direction I don't want to. Like I have to do something. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And when that enough is enough, that's enough. Exactly. <laughs> um, so awesome to talk with you, Tommy. Always. Uh, I, I really love what you're doing in the world and I'm glad that, uh, we get to be friends in it. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you so much for having me. Love this conversation. Had no idea where it was going to go, but I feel like it, hopefully it resonated. I hope it resonates with all you people who are listening to this on your phone right now. (laughs) Also go follow all of our social media (laughs) accounts and make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. <laughs> just leave your phone on all day listening to our content. Exactly. And that is intentional. <laughs> exactly. It's perfect. Um, go follow Tommy at Goberg now um, and check out all their amazing uh, content and events. Uh, I'm happy to be a part of the community. Um, Thanks, this was great, man. Great to see you. We'll play some beach volleyball this summer. Yeah. When is that getting started? As it gets warmer. Okay. The days are getting I'm longer. I'm so ready. Still too. on my calendar every Sunday. I love it. Keep it there because it's it's coming back. <laughs> okay, we good. just took a little winter off, okay? Yeah, perfect. All right, awesome. Thanks for listening to that Onami podcast. Onami is like Ned's Declassified for adulthood. Visit onami.co for free lessons on personal finance, career readiness, personal development, and more, all taught by expert influencers and creators. We've got everything you wish you learned in school so you can thrive in adulthood. That's onami.co. See you there.